To Bar Down Breakdown, I'm your host, Mikey Ryan, live from the Hive, joined by my boy, Tommy V, from the land of Disney. Tommy, what is good, brother? Uh, you know, just uh, hanging out. Um, you know, real quick, I was, uh, I was watching, like going to bed, I was watching like this list that some guy on YouTube put together. It was like a hundred of the like top like sports bloopers of the past decade. Um, and one of the things on the list, I don't know if you remember this, there is a goalie on Bridgeport uh, and he was like, something happened in like center ice and there was like a two on O coming at him. And instead of taking the two on O, he literally just turned around and chucked his net off of the posts and was like, Oh, I, you know, I figured I'd just do that because, like, I think I'll, I'll have a better chance at the penalty shot anyway. So literally, like, he just like he was two and like a two on zero coming at him, and he just threw the goal, like, threw the net off the post. I would imagine that and I'm that's trying to like automatic goal at that point. Uh, well, apparently it wasn't because they uh, it was just a penalty shot, and um, they uh, he, and he ended up goalies, saving the goalies. Do that more often then. I, I I'm, think it's I'm automatic sure... goal. I mean, they must have made like a rule about it now, or maybe there's a rule in the NHL because it happened in the in the AHL. But I mean, like it happened. I watched it happen, and then like they just called the play dead, said it's a penalty shot, and then uh, you know came down the penalty shot, and he uh, he saved it. I, I don't remember his name though. I just I want to look it up, but I thought that was like such a wild thing to see that on like a like a blooper compilation that's like was seen by like hundreds of thousands of people on YouTube. That's you know what's kind of crazy is like the Islanders, as long as I can remember, like have not developed their own goalie that like has made it to the NHL. Yeah, I mean, you're yeah, you're right. Now that I think about it, his name was David Leggio. Okay, yeah, that name rings a bell. Like, yep, and he, we we had like Joey McDonald who had like a few call-ups. Then we had Christopher Gibson, who has had a few call-ups, but like no consistent goalie. Maybe. Oh, Nielsen. I think Nielsen was one of them or Nelson. Okay. Yeah. Nielsen. But dude, like all these years. So like, think about when Bridgeport became a franchise. So probably like 2001 or 2000 is when they mm -hmm. was their first year. And not one starter has come from there. That one starting goalie. Yeah, that's terrible. That's, I, it is kind of sad. Uh, so I'm just reading a little bit more about it just because I thought it was interesting. So they had no rule about it, and then it happened. And then after it happened, because there was no rule about it, they were just like, okay, well, it's a dead play and a penalty shot. But then what they said is, uh, you know, if, it, if you, any goalie ever does it again after that game, so there was a precedent set after that, that uh, any goalie that does that would get a game misconduct. Okay. I like then, his, uh, I like his style though to to think about doing that. And yeah, I mean, literally, he's just like he saw it coming. He was like, "Yo, screw this, man!" And just knew he was like, "Well, I got a better chance of stopping a you know just a regular breakaway than a you know than a oh, two yeah. on zero." But uh, I thought that was uh, that was that was kind of crazy, man. Good stuff. Yeah, I I actually started watching Frazier last night. 
And oh yeah, dude, that's gonna be the perfect show to put me to sleep, man. <laughs> that is slow. Like, the, yeah, the dad is awesome. I love the dad, but mm-hmm. like, what's that? Kelsey Grammer. That's his name, right? Kelsey. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. At least in the first two episodes that we watched, man, he is mm-hmm. a douche. Yeah, yeah, man. No, it's it's a it's a tough show, man. It really is. It's a uh, very very like you know high caliber, high brow, you know, humor. I mean, some people love it, you know, like, uh, what's his name? Um, Andrew Ray, you know, the guy who does all the binging with Babish, uh, you know, episodes, it's like his favorite show. And he's like patterned like a lot of his, uh, like his initial episodes over it. Uh, some people love it, man. It was, it was never my, my bag though. I'm going to give it a shot. At least it did get me very tired and was able to sleep like instantly once the <laughs> once the second episode was over. There you go, man. It's it's uh like I said, it's one of those things where either you love it or you don't. But I'm you know cool that you're uh, you're giving it a shot. But uh, well, I gave so Seinfeld we've got a shot, man. And yeah, I I no joke from start to finish, that show is fantastic. Like. There is no like down seasons or anything. It is just consistent from the very first episode until the last. Mm-hmm. Like, so amazing. Uh, the ending, like the last episode, is just so ridiculous and silly, and it's just it's fantastic. Yeah, it, it's kind of funny. So we we've got here, uh, you know, we've got like a big kind of like television lull just because like Amanda and I have like very different. Um, like, I don't know, we just like very different things. Like Amanda likes, you know, more like on the reality show spectrum and she's really into like thrillers and stuff like that. So it's always kind of hard for us to like come together and uh, find a show that like kind of enthralls us both. But um, uh, we actually just finished watching um, Waco. Uh, Have you seen it? Have we talked about that yet? No. So it's a it's a limited series, right? Like only a yeah, couple episodes. It's, it's like a six episode series, and it's all about you know the the, the Waco cult, siege. Right? Well, say again. The cult in Waco, Texas, right? Yeah, it's about the Branch Davidians and stuff. Um, but it's like it was a super cool show, man. It was like a, a very interesting look into like what happened there, and it really kind of skews things, uh, you know, in the direction of the of the Branch Davidians, because a lot of the stuff that the ATF did and, uh, you know, like when the, you know, when the FBI came in, a lot of stuff that happened, uh, um, it was really like fucked up, man, especially like they were using like what they were doing is at night, they would cut the power to the whole compound and then they would pipe in these like crazy, like horror sounds like at night, they would just blare them. So like nobody in the compound could sleep. Like literally just sounds of like screaming and like train engines and honking horns and all these like dissonant like sounds and screeches and stuff like the the fucking U.S. government was actually doing that as a tactic to try to get the the Branch Davidians to like surrender like fucking crazy stuff, man. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, we were so young, but isn't that what like what? trigger timothy mcfay to like yeah do the oklahoma city bombing yep that was one of the things one of the things yeah, it was one of the big things he said that uh the uh the issue that happened before that um and i can't remember where it was but it was in like some cabin um that like pretty much again it was just like an issue of like illegal firearms and they came in and they ended up like 
firing on these people and they killed like this dude's wife and like someone else. And, but yeah, you know, all the injustices, you know, Timothy McVeigh is fucking crazy person as it is, but you know, he felt like he needed to make a stand against, you know, the government's oppression. And you know, then he goes and, you know, bombs, you know, this whole fucking building and kills hundreds of people, man. It, it's it's wild. It's wild. But yeah, it was one of the one of the things that did it. But, uh, you know, anyone out there that's that's listening, you know, Waco, if you get an opportunity to check it out. Great show. A lot of fun. Obviously, nowhere near as much, you know, levity and funniness as Seinfeld by any means necessary, but still a great show, man. I'm way into it. Yeah. You know, I highly recommend, especially some of our younger listeners who were probably too young when that show was popular. Give it a shot. Like that is up there with the office at, and like parks and rec and like some of those other like cult comedy shows, mm-hmm. man, Seinfeld is top notch just because it's like so real and relatable. Like it's just, you know, you come across the, the people every single day in like, and like some of the pet peeves that people have, like it, it's just so good. So good. For sure, man. So uh, we've got uh, today. We've got a cool interview with uh, Rody from Protest the Hero. Uh, you know, awesome, awesome band. Um, I don't even know how to really categorize them. They're a little bit, a little bit medley, a little bit progressive, a little bit punky in there. I mean, they got a lot of things going on. But kind of brings me to thinking about um, you know how different lead vocalists kind of have like sort of a, a theatrical edge going on to them. And you could hear that a lot in, in Protest the Hero and Rody's songs. Um, and I'm just trying to think of like who else I could put on that pedestal. Uh, you know, for me, you know, like someone I think that has a lot of those elements to them. I think of a guy like, um, uh, you know, like the, the lead singer, Forgive Durden, you know, like someone like that, who's just like got like a, a great, beautiful, brilliant voice. And they're able to kind of change it up and, and use different registers to make things sound, uh, you know, cool and diverse. And, uh, um, you know, so like what, what other artists, like, would you think kind of have that edge to them? So I'm going back and, you know, they had just, just kind of like a little hiccup in the music scene, like nothing huge. Some of our listeners probably might not have even heard of this band, but I'm thinking about Christian from that band Bed Light for Blue Eyes. Oh, yeah, sure, man. Dude, his vocals were very theatrical and, like, over the top, and you could definitely tell he had some influence, probably did, like, some, like, musical theater in the, in the, back in his day. And, you know, I, I got that vibe as well with Protest the Hero. Like, Rhodey definitely just got pipes, man. He's got some, some pipes for sure. Yeah, no, he, he really does, man. He really does. And, uh, um, you know, but it's cool. You know, we got to talk to, uh, to him about, uh, you know, all things hockey. We got to chat a little bit of hockey, uh, you know, talk about what's going on with Protest the Hero. They've got a new record, uh, Palimpsest, coming out uh, in a couple of months. They just released a new single, which is kind of their real first new music in about five or six years. Um, but uh, it's cool, man. He, he was such a fun guest to have on, man. He's such a kooky, crazy guy. Uh, he had us both in stitches, just laughing. Uh, his just his demeanor is great, man. He's just uh, you know staying at home, hanging out with his with his kid, and just talk to us about all different things, you know, in terms of uh, uh, you know his his lineage and you know what he's got going on, and uh, you know what's on the horizon for him. So uh, give us a listen, and uh, you know we hope you like the interview, and uh, you know 
let uh, let us know how, how we how we did and how we doing, you know? All right. So enjoy. Here's our interview with Brody Walker of Protest the Hero. Test the hero, Rody man. What's going on? Hey there, fellas. <laughs> we got a a, a, a typical uh, quarantine car honk going on up in uh, up in Canada. So I, I just checking to make sure that your horns still work. I guess. Yeah. Oh, it's actually just stopped. <laughs> <laughs> they they must have got the memo that we were trying to do a podcast here and said, "Oh, quiet down, fellas." <laughs> 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 I love it. So, uh, is it is it warming up for you up there? Nice it day, is, man. It's crop top season now. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> so I'm sitting in the backyard in my winger crop top. Woo! Having a blast. Beautiful. So, it's been um, obviously interesting times, but during these interesting times, Pro- Protest the Hero comes out of the woodwork and drops a single on us. So That's true. That's very true. I'm sure it's to much acclaim and, and people are so pumped to, you know, finally get some new music after all these years. So has the response been pretty uh, crazy so far? Yeah, it's been wild, man. Cause it's like, you know, we didn't put out anything for so long and it's like, we haven't put out a full length in a long time. And then it's like, all of a sudden the news that we're putting out about this record has fallen on dead ears. Cause it's like, who wants another update about an update? Yeah. You know, um, so it's like we finally released this song and it's just like, I feel alive again. I feel like I'm not yelling into the abyss anymore. <laughs> you know, like I put up a tweet or something like that. And people like no matter what it is, people care again. <laughs> people, Nancy, care again. A really kind of funny protest a hero story that I kind of uh, lead off with. And uh, I don't know if I'm getting my wires crossed, but I I think the first time I, I, I seen you guys play. I was back in New York and you played, I, I think you might've opened up for a day to remember. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I, 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 and the only reason I remember that is because I vividly remember a day to remember, like starting their setup and there was just like a, a horn and like, they just like about 300 people like opened up a pit for just like a horn. And I was like, Oh, this is, this is kind of silly. But, um, but if if I if I have my, my my wires correct, one of the things I remember about uh, about you guys is seeing you guys and like um, 
just you, you guys just did not give a shit, and I loved it. Paraphrasing probably, but I remember like you looking out into the crowd and saying something to the tune of like, "Ah, oh, guys, we got like a couple more songs, and then you guys can talk shit about us, and then we'll we'll be done." And uh, um, but like that's just that mentality is I, I loved it, and you know even when I was much younger, and uh, you know it's super cool because you know the last full length you, you guys did was Volition in 2013, and now. Uh, you know, you've got this one coming out in, in a couple of months. Um, and it just like repeaked my interest in you guys. And I went back and listened to the first couple of records and just remembered why I loved you guys so much. So, uh, um, you know, obviously with this record coming out, what, you know, what would you say we're, we're in for in terms of expectations? Like, how is it gonna, you know, kind of relate to a record like Volition or, or, you know, the EP that you guys had kind of, um, uh, you know, done a, a couple of years after that. So like, what are we kind of in for, would you say? Yeah, it's hard to say, man, because it's like I've been sitting on it for so long. You know, like it's been essentially done. The oh, songs wow. themselves have been written for almost two years. Oh, right. Wow. But it's like we're just finally getting it mixed. And I don't, I'd like it's hard to say how it compares because it's like it's not that different, but it's not the same. Sure. <laughs> you know, sure. like when we set out, like initially it was like, let's simplify, man, let's simplify shit. And then I was getting these songs being like, this is not simple. This is <laughs> so complicated. I can't even think of things to write over it. Yeah. Um, Cause I like, I'm a dud, right? Like I, I have no idea what's going on when it comes to music. I just try to make everything sound like it's in four, four, even though it almost never is. <laughs> but uh, it, you know, like it is our attempt to simplify. Um, it, there is a lot of punk beats, which like, you know, for me, is great, but I guess for some of the prog metal nerds out there that listen to our band, it's yeah, not right. the best thing in the world. But I love it. I love the speed of the record. Like it's, I know it, at the end of the day, like when our career is dead and buried, people are not going to be able to say that we ever relented on the speed. Well, <laughs> and know, that's like, awesome. It's funny we we talked to um uh, a couple episodes back. We were talking to um uh to Nate from uh, Such Cold. I don't know if you're familiar with that band. Uh, but, familiar um, and never heard them though which is which is fine i mean but like they're uh there were a, a punk band that kind of started to kind of cross over and get a little bit more proggy um like but like progressive punk uh but when we okay. were talking to him that's that's one of the things he literally said almost like verbatim was like yeah no one's ever going to be able to say that like we stop being fast you know because yeah. like that's one of the things that like we we hang our hats on so uh but uh, you know, super, super stoked for, for what's to come for, for you guys. Now is this one, I, I know you, uh, you know, the first couple of records you did on vagrant, then you started self-releasing stuff. Is this uh, one going to be self-released as well? Yeah, this one is a, uh, it's independent, right? Like, oh, cool. uh, I, uh, yeah, we've been off vagrant for a minute now. I think the only territory where it's not independent is Europe and the UK. Okay. Because uh, we still had a contract with, uh, oh my god, my son just stepped in a big wad of shit. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, oh no! Yeah, we're on we're on Spine Farm in the UK because they had an option for the record and they decided to pick it up. Which cool. you know it would have been cool to be uh, independent worldwide, but yeah. it is what it is. You know, sure, they're good people, they're a good company, and I'm sure they're going to do a good job. Not as good of a job as we would have done. But I'm joking about that mostly. <laughs> <laughs> no, we would have done a piss poor job. Shipping to Europe costs so much money. <laughs> oh yeah, man, it's 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 crazy. I remember uh, 
going through like a like a really really gnarly record buying phase, and I was buying all sorts of shit from Europe and you know Germany and England and Italy and all this stuff. And man, like you know, you'd, you'd spend twenty dollars US on a record and be twenty five to ship it. And, oh yeah, uh, you know, you're, you're kicking yourself, you know, in the in the face, however you can, just thinking like, wow, what am I, what am I doing? What am I spending all this money on? But you yeah, know, how much do I really want this? <laughs> yeah, right. And and unfortunately, you know. Back then, when I was making a little bit more scratch, it was uh, way easier to just be like, "No, it's fine." You know, what, what's what's seventy dollars for for this you know piece of wax that's just going to sit on my shelf? But thankfully, I smartened up to that. But <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I did. I I, I hear you. Uh, but um, so you know, as far as releasing stuff independently is concerned, um, you know, like have you kind of found a, a good formula for for how to do that? Because I know that it takes a little bit more time and in terms of how, you know, distribution and all that kind of, you know, behind the scenes stuff works. So uh, how have you guys been able to find a, like a good formula to kind of do that and, and get good, good press and just kind of get it out to the people? Yeah. I mean, uh, it kind of worked out in our favor that our guitarist started a company that started like printing stuff, right? Like oh, printing, okay. he started a company called She Happens and they print tablature music. And then they started printing like vinyl for a couple of artists and oh, wow. t-shirts and they basically became like a company that can completely fulfill orders and all of that stuff like uh trying to think of what the specific word is i want to say completion but it's not completion okay uh fulfillment right like they're like Got a fulfillment it. company so it's like all of the products like yeah they outsource shirts and stuff like that but it's like they became a company that could do this and uh it's been very beneficial for us um, because it's like all of a sudden it's like we don't need anyone, you know. Sure, it's like yeah. we can we can do this all ourselves. You know, beyond international shipping, it's like inside of North America, you know, like we can be independent by just leaning on Lucas. <laughs> but yeah, so like it hasn't been that difficult of a transition because he just like set it all up for us. Now he hasn't done something on this scale before, so we're kind of like a guinea pig. But you know, sure. I rather be a guinea pig for my friend than uh i don't know than yeah right. no. on a record label of any kind you know sure absolutely man and um so uh the new record uh what is it called is it called palimpsest 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 whoa yeah that's a weird one <laughs> um but uh awesome man so uh you know stoked stoked to uh you know to, to hear more out of it and uh so when, like, did you guys, when you uh, dropped the single, you guys announced it right, like, just pretty much right then and there? Yeah, when the single dropped, we announced the record name, the track listing, the release date, and the pre-order. Very, very nice. Perfect. So, um, Rody, um, I, I just want to ask about um, the Juno Award you won, because we had um, Patrick from that band Stereos on. That oh he, yeah, he's... D-wap, D-wap. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking know that band. <laughs> yeah, and like it's just so funny that everyone in Canada knows that band, but here in the states, like, never even got onto our radar. So like, it was just so cool to hear how huge they were there. Do you, do you guys have a, an interesting Juno story? Uh, not particularly. Um. We got nominated for a couple of them. One of them, they awarded it to someone else while we were, like, on the flight over from Estonia. So, like, that was interesting enough to get off the plane and be like, hey, cool, you lost. Like, oh, nice. 
uh, and then the one that we won, uh, we were on tour. We were, uh, I think we were in North Carolina at the time. And, uh, you know, we just got like a message over Skype that was like, hey, you want a Juno? I was like, oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I, got an, I got an interesting story. My son broke my Juno in half last week. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. That's the kind of story we want. And I mean, it's sturdy as hell because it also like took up the floor a bit with it. Like it went into the vinyl on the floor and took a huge chunk out of it and then oh, just wow. broke in half. And I was going, oh, sweet. Like my greatest accomplishment in this life means <laughs> nothing. <laughs> oh, man. I guess one of my bigger accomplishments destroyed the other. Yeah, T-shirt. exactly. There I you like go. It. Probably the. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, the best accomplishment that destroyed the second best accomplishment. I'll, I'll take that. Uh, I think it might be the other way around. <laughs> <laughs> the second best destroyed best. Awesome. Yeah. So that that's the kind of story I wanted. That was that's great. Like I I I know how huge Junos are for uh, our friends up north, and uh, you know it's 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 kind of a different world because they obviously don't broadcast them here do, do they like broadcast the grammys in canada oh yeah oh yeah, my yeah. goodness yeah so you know here we don't really get to to see like even like who hosted this like dallas green just hosted every year no uh the times that i went i think it's mostly russell peters that hosts it um and uh, it, it's the same thing. Like, you go there, you watch Sarah McLaughlin sing, and uh, the Nickelback guys get up on stage and joke about how they should have brought lawn chairs so they could sit around and collect awards all night. And <laughs> it's ha, 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 you're embarrassing us on a world stage. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. Juno's is it's a wonderful experience, but, like, at the end of the day, the people that get really, really excited about it are the people that don't typically do international stuff like stereos they're they're good guys uh the ones that i know of them and the ones that i don't are terrible guys but, exactly. uh, <laughs> we say the same thing but you know i i can i can imagine them getting excited about having junos because it's like they were in the music industry for like two minutes uh and they never left the country so it's like oh, Juno's a big freaking deal but it's like once you see that canada is like two percent of the market it's like well this is a very nice gesture, but what does it mean? It means nothing. It's not going to increase record sales. It's not going to, I don't know. But I, I mean, another, another really, um, you know, a really cool thing that, you know, if, if getting a, a Juno didn't uh, necessarily, you know, kind of give you the, the old Twitter blue check mark. I mean, uh, so, you know, just looking over some of the, some of the numbers for, um, for Volition for you guys. Right. I mean, like, so you guys set a uh, like a a crowdsource goal of of a buck twenty five, and when all said and done, we're looking at three fifty k. I mean yeah, that's yeah. That, that's staggering, man. I mean so you know well, that's either like, that's the thing. Like even though like it's money and it's just a number, like that's the stuff that like matters and I'm proud of. Like it's not that it is money. It's like yeah. holy shit, look at this support. Like look at yeah, exactly, well, man. Look at what we've created and what it's sort of become and like the people that care about this like silly thing that we do, you know? Yeah, no, and absolutely. And I mean, like, it's just like you, I think that's something that, you know, a lot of, 
in like some musicians will I, i'm not going to say take it for granted but it, it kind of gets lost sometimes like the enormity of you know something that like you set out to do when you started probably just to be like yeah let's get some buddies together and just like play some music and like you know figure out some cool shit and then all of a sudden before you know it you know like you're like hey man you know we we want to do this independently man you know let's let's set this 125,000 mark right and like if we get half of it like that'll be cool and then before you know it 30 hours goes by and then you're you're there so it's just like in oh, your yeah. eyes it's just like wow like these thousands of people are just digging what we do and that's got to be like a, a hell of a feeling man oh it was remarkable cuz you know what like we're we're experiencing a pretty similar thing right now um and it's like we had gone through a period where we had put out a record that people didn't care that much for and there had been a number of years that had passed and it seemed like all interest in our band had kind of waned um so we put that indiegogo up as kind of a hail mary like if people want to hear this record you know that's cool we'll make it either way we'll figure out a way to make it even if we don't make our goal and then it was like Mm -hmm. I think it was inside 18 hours that the goal got hit and we were just sitting there going, whoa, I guess we're making a record and maybe touring a little more. Yeah. I mean, but that's, you know, but that's one of those things where it's just like, it kind of, kind of all hits you on the back end. And then, you know, you go to sleep and you wake up and you're like, oh shit, we're in it now. But, uh, but that's pretty, that's pretty cool. Another thing I, I, you know, I wanted to mention, I'm sure I'm, I'm beating my buddy Mikey to the punch on this, but, uh, uh, NHL 2007 and 2009, you guys yeah, yeah. Had, had tracks on. So how, how how did that come about? Like how how do you get a how do you get approached, you know, to do something like that? Is it just someone hit you up from like you know EA Sports, you know, like A and R, and they're just like, hey, you know, we, we want to have you guys on the soundtrack. Like how Dude, does I that? Have, I have no idea because it's <laughs> like if I if I knew, I would be begging them, begging them to put our songs on more friggin'. NHLs, because yeah. like that, like that was the highlight of my life. Just like someone handing me a video game, going, "Yeah, you know, they gave us like a little bit of money and uh, free copies of the game, and like you put down the NHL." It's like I've been playing those games since as long as I can remember. Yeah, you know, since like '94, I think. And it's mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, like all of a sudden, it's like I got a song on here, and on top of that, it's like still, even though it's been a very long time since we've had those songs on there, we still have people that come up to us at shows or write us messages on the internet that are like, "Oh, I heard this song on NHL 07, and that's when I started listening to your band." It's like that's the coolest thing. Yeah, you know? I mean, and that is one of those things about when we talked about um, the the NHL soundtracks often, um, where like, you know, you you might not even be like into any of this, you know. Like you, it, like none of this alternative music could be your thing, and then all of a sudden, like you know, your your mom gets you a copy of you know NHL '07 for your birthday, and you know you're playing, you know you're picking whichever you know shitty team you want to be, and then and all of a sudden, like you know y- your song comes across, and like it's just like whoa, damn, like this is this is cool, and then now all of a sudden you have a you have a fan who literally probably would have never known you existed if it wasn't for you know a fleeting moment, you know during the um you know, during like a, a loading screen or, or, you know, during a fantasy draft or something. I think it's just such a cool thing that, oh, um, that, it, that it's been conceptualized. And I, I hope it continues. I mean, like, I feel like a lot of the soundtracks or the newer games are, are more pop centric and they don't have as much like alternative music, which kind of bums me out. Well, but, what about uh, Doom? Uh, that's true. That is very true. That's actually. like genting as hard as Brig, right? <laughs> yeah, that is, man. That's, I mean, and you know, the funny thing is, man, it's just like, I, you know, I remember playing like playing um that that shit like 
Oh, the original Doom, God, right? Doom, yeah, the original one. Yeah, Doom where and just, Duke Nukem 3D. Exactly, yeah. Where it's just like you're sitting on like your choppy, your choppy like Windows 95 PC and you're just playing this game and your mom comes in and she yells at you because it's too bloody and you swore you weren't going to play it. But then <laughs> yeah, you're playing yeah. it anyway. Hell yeah, man, for sure. Wait, so and Doom Duke is still Nukem, a thing? Those, like, what's that? I, oh, Doom see, is still a thing. It's like new and crazy and I don't know, it looks fantastic. And they have like a cool soundtrack. I see. I'm like totally out of the video game world, so I had no idea that they did that. Still. Oh yeah, no. Like I don't. I don't know much about the dude who did it, but they hired some like they hired some dude to write the soundtrack, and he did like he hit it out of the park, man. It's pretty wild, pretty like modern, progressive kind of chuggy metal stuff. <laughs> yeah, the dude's name is uh, I think Mick Gordon. Um. And uh, he's a he's like a, a a composer, but like he uh, he's done a bunch of of uh, of soundtracks for like as it is like a bunch of those kind of weird, creepy uh, first person shooters. He's done them for a couple of Wolfenstein's. Uh, he did um, the the Doom reboot, which wasn't that great, but Doom Eternal, which is pretty good. I think he did uh, um, a couple of like of the newer Killer Instincts and stuff too. But uh, like it, apparently, like he had like reached out and did like a big um, campaign to get like vocalists on uh like the doom recordings and stuff which i heard was like pretty cool but uh um yeah man it's just like another part of like all this which is super cool you know it's like video games now are like cinematic masterpieces so like they need all this kind of stuff so it's cool that you know um this kind of like genty you know like metal industrial stuff is kind of like now in in video games so it's super cool man yeah no that's really really cool I, I did hear that, like, they chopped up the compositions and made them, like, not... They, they changed them in a way that the main dude who wrote them wasn't exactly pleased with them, but, you know what, I read that on some Reddit chain, so <laughs> it's worth about as much as you can make of it, right? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So we, we kind of touched on it, you know, um, with, with you guys getting on a few NHL soundtracks, but being up in the good old North, you are obviously a huge hockey fan and a Toronto Maple Leafs fan. So, Oh, fuck yeah, bud. Let's get right to it. So, you know, obviously the season's on pause right now. Um, How are you feeling about this current season? Do you feel like the team is meeting your expectations or not living up to it? Uh, It's hard to say. You know, like, uh, I have been... Uh, calling for the head of Mike Babcock for a number of years now. And then it's like, finally, everyone gets on board and they should have been on board at the end of last season. So the Sheldon Keefe could have got a full season. They came in and it looked great. And then it kind of went back down to what it was before. And people were going, these kids don't know how to play hockey. They don't respect the game because they gave them too much money. <laughs> I, don't, I, like, I don't know. I, I'm relatively disappointed with the way the season was going. But then again, like you look at it and like, I'm a big William Nylander fan. He was having a bang up season. He was doing amazing. Like all those idiots last year that were saying, oh, six point whatever millions, way too much. were shutting their damn mouths because it was like there was nothing they could say. He was doing so well. Austin Matthews was killing it. Um, you know, like I, I can't. I can't say that on an individual level, it was that disappointing of a season. Maybe Mitch Marner wasn't everything he could have been, but he still had moments of brilliance. Um, but 
I, yeah. I notice you haven't mentioned the pajama boy yet. <laughs> well, I'm kind of, I'm kind of trying to save your feelings, guys. <laughs> <laughs> he he's getting a lot of slack here. Ever like ever since he became captain, people are like questioning the legitimacy of his captaincy, being like, oh, he's not good enough, this, that, and the other thing, and it's bullshit. Like, it's crazy bullshit. This <laughs> is like this guy is not, and I'm sure you guys know from years of watching him, like he's not always contributing on the scoreboard in ways that you can, in ways that like you can see, like it's not always a goal or an assist. It's like he's mm-hmm. doing so many little things. His game is so complex, and the people like these friggin' plebs that are just watching the game and like don't get it, <laughs> you know, like they turn on the game Saturday night, they watch like one period and go, I don't. Know watch this they're not doing well you know it's like these people need to just get the fuck out of here so i'm (laughs) whispering so that my son can't hear me swearing but um you know like there's you go on twitter or instagram and like the leafs will post the thing and all the comments will be like john Tavares needs to get out of town he doesn't deserve the sea and it's like god damn it dudes you're not watching you're not watching the game pay attention you idiots so like Instagram makes me nuts, man. Like yeah, all the, like, it's it's crazy how quick uh, Maple Leafs fans like are to turn on some of their players because, like, you know, obviously when the Islanders gave it to Tavares, that like when he finally returned, they they were, had his back and were like, you know, let's have a John Tavares day where we're all gonna like, you know, make him feel better because people boot booed him and then. The next, the very next season, they they want him traded for like a top parent defenseman. Like that's what I've I've been seeing. People are so confused, and it's just like these like overnight fans, you know, that like they wake up in the morning and they're not really a Leafs fan, and they watch some of the game, and then they go online and say, "Trade this person, trade that person." Dubas has got to go; he's an idiot. It's like they're not watching; they're wishy washy fans. And I do think that we are one of the worst fan bases, like really awful fan base for what we do to our team, for what we do to each other, uh, for like, you know, even the franchise, I don't really love when you think about it. Now, how do you <laughs> feel about that guy? What's his name? Steve Dangle, Dingle? The... Oh, I love Dangle, man. You do? Okay. Dangle's my boy. He lives like down the street. Oh, really? <laughs> That's great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly, I tried to get him to do a guest spot on the record, um, but there was just like there wasn't a moment where we could make our schedules uh, align. And he was like, he was sitting there being like, "I don't, I'm not a singer. Like, what do you want me to do?" And I was like, "You're a screamer, dude. He's really like after every game, you're screaming for like 15 minutes in front of your camera. Just come on out, scream." <laughs> oh my god, that <laughs> would have been amazing. That would have been. So I love good. Steve Dangle, man. Awesome. Cool. So, uh we we did touch on on that trade, but I want to go back a little more in time and when you guys picked up Jason Blake from the Islanders, like to me, that that hurts more than JT leaving as an Islander fan. Like seeing him in yeah. the blue and white, man, that was that was tough to watch. Yeah, and you know what? Like I can I can commiserate with that because it's like seeing Nazem Kadri gone and seeing guys like that. Like it's hard to watch these franchise players who've been here and like basically were brought up by the system go somewhere else. And it's just like, 
I don't know. I can't tell you how to feel for it, but <laughs> no, but did you guys appreciate him as much as we did as Islander so. fans? I don't really think so, to be honest with you, but it, it, you know, it comes down to the Toronto fan base again, not really appreciating anyone until maybe they're gone. Right. We traded Wendell Clark for Matt Sundin. <laughs> yeah. Touche. We had two Rask at one point. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, yeah. we don't need to go into what the Islanders have done because it's been atrocious my whole life. So, some but of you know what? It's not atrocious anymore, right? It, like it isn't. We're 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 trying to right the ship, and we got Lamorello running things, and you know we we got our white whale supposedly coming over today. Like there there's talks that he might sign his contract today with uh oh really yeah Ilya Sorokin who's like the top yeah, goalie yeah, yeah. in KHL it, he. He terminated his contract with the KHL team, and he's free to sign with us uh, as as early as today. Yeah, that is, it was weird that uh, Leonard didn't sign back. Was that Leonard? Yeah, who was with you guys yeah, last yeah. year? Yeah, yeah. And like he like he had a hell of a season, and, and then like what was the fucking deal with that? Like he, I know he's in Vegas now. I think. Yep. So he he just wanted longer term. He he like uh, he, he wasn't worried about the money. He just wanted some stability. And I guess it's hard Lamar- to give a goaltender term, man. Yeah, especially you know I hate to say it with some of the baggage he has, and like yeah. Lamorello wasn't willing to give him longer than that, especially when he was always thinking about the white whale, you know, coming over. So mm. yeah, but Lamorello will pay out the nose for losers like Matt Martin. <laughs> yeah, like, you know Leo Komarov. That like, one hurts. Guys, like I know Leo Komarov. I know that's these guys tough. have been like. You know, they've been okay on the Islanders, but it's like, man, their contracts aren't worth the paper they're written on. And like Matt Martin, he's like he's obviously a good guy. He's good in the locker room and he throws big hits and he can fight, but like that's it. Yeah, he was that was a that was a cultural piece and like, you know, obviously we do have one of the best fourth lines in hockey. Like I I, I guess that doesn't really mean much at the end of the day. <laughs> like who gives a shit? But you know, <laughs> it, after you lose your captain, you're just trying to restore some some order. And having you know Matt Martin back was actually you know pretty pretty well received here with our fan base. Yeah, no, I, I mean, like I get that because like like it's a guy who's like cut his teeth there and like was important to the franchise. So like bringing him home is great. But when Lou brought him to Toronto, it's like what like, what are you doing? <laughs> like you're throwing money away and like you gotta excuse me i'm a little bitter on lou lamorello because there is this whole thing where people hate kyle dubas because he's new young blood and he's about statistics and this that and the other thing people praise the work of lou lamorello and like while he was here like yeah he did a good job like getting contracts out of town but it's like acquiring new stuff for the leafs uh, there isn't really much backing to that argument that he did a amazing job here <laughs> you know like we needed him to get rid of like kessel and Fanuf and bozak and jvr and like get rid of those like contracts of aging dudes and he did that and he did it very well uh everything else i don't know <laughs> yeah i do love willie and i think he does have a hand in william nylander but I don't know. People in Toronto praise him because they're not like super stoked on the situation right now. But it's like, man, Kyle Dubas hasn't had the chance yet because he's had Mike Babcock, 
He's had Mike Babcock behind the helm the entire time, and he hasn't been able to play the team the way they're designed to be played. Right. So it's like this is his first opportunity to like half of the season he got to do it. And I think we need a full season under Dubas and Sheldon Keefe with this lineup before we can really judge what kind of job Dubas is doing versus Lamorello, if that makes any sense. Well, he must be like the the best numbers guy in the world because I still can't understand how you guys keep making the cap. Like you guys have so <laughs> many superstars that are making so much money. And it's like, how does he keep doing this? Like the back ended contracts and things like that. Like it just, it, it's, it's beautiful to see. I wish that more like the Islanders could do that because we're in cap trouble too. And we don't even have half the names that you guys have. Yeah. I, and that's like, I think that's the kind of thing of like the new age, like Moneyball guys, where it's like, whereas Lou Lamorello is a good GM, like he's not that young blood that's going to make these crazy decisions. Ah, you know what? What do I know? I don't, I can't talk Lou Lamorello that badly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's hard when you got a few cups under your belt and, and you've done some, you know, like what he's did with the Devils is just crazy. So I get yeah. it. Oh, yeah, that's very true. Now, I, I do want to also talk about, you know, one of my, uh, I guess, like, glory days as an Islander fan was the 2001-2002 season when we uh, played you guys in the first round of the playoffs. <laughs> now, just just uh, kind of fill me in. Are you about the same age as us, 33, around that age? Yeah, yeah, I'm 34. Okay, so, like, you know, I was in high school my I guess my freshman year of high school during that playoff year. And like, I just remember how intense that playoff series was. And then the hit Darcy Tucker on Mike Pekka, like absolutely cheap shot, like slew footed him and, and basically ended Pekka's career. So like, how are yeah. you, how are you like as the opposing fan feeling about that playoff series? Did you like feel that bad blood and think it was a really like fantastic series? Let me first say that I have an autographed Darcy Tucker jersey in my closet upstairs. Uh, <laughs> let me second say, when I was in high school, I didn't care about hockey at all. And like, I know that's kind of weird, like in Canada, this, that, and the other thing. But like, the reality is, when you're a teenager in Canada, most of us don't really care unless you're involved in it some way. Um, and I wasn't. So I, that series didn't really affect me in any way. It wasn't until my. Uh, mid twenties that I start, started caring about hockey again. You know, like I grew up on hockey. I, I was a Flyers fan for some reason. It was just Eric Lindros probably because he played for the Oshawa Generals. Uh, and then I stopped watching for a long, long time. I picked it up again in my mid twenties. So I, I really have no reflection on that time period, you know, other than like watching YouTube clips of stuff. You know, it's it's pathetic, but it is what it is. Okay. I so I guess you don't have the same uh, feelings as I do, but um, you know, you you mentioned Eric Lindros and uh, the Oshawa Generals. Was that like the closest team to you guys growing up? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, OHL team, yeah. Okay, and that's John Tavares's yeah, yeah former team as well. Yep, absolutely. So, um, did did you feel like Lindros could have had a more you know storybook career if it didn't end the way it did? No, oh, I mean. 
certainly could have, but like, is uh, will he go down in history as one of the greats? Sure. If not, he'll go down in history as one of the biggest trades ever made, right? Like <laughs> from the Quebec Nordiques. I saw something on that uh, very recently, and it wasn't about necessarily the city of Quebec, though I, uh, the province of Quebec. I think uh, I don't necessarily know that it was true or whether he was just trying to be like, you know, like win the hearts back of the French people of this country. Uh, he said it was mostly about the owner of the team, right? And I was like, I, I don't know if that's true, but I thought it was interesting. Yeah, I, I feel like, you know, obviously being a little bit of a homer, we got Lindros' brother, Brett Lindros, uh, and basically we drafted him with just hopes that he would be somewhat like Eric Lindros and totally was a bust. And ah. yeah, it was a complete, a complete bust. But you know, I, it's I, kind of funny how that works out. Like sometimes there's brothers that just come into the league and like they're all in there. Like I think there was four stall brothers in the league at one point. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, like all yeah. of them were pretty good. You know, like you can think of all like there's a bunch of times, but then there's other times where it's like PK Subban's brother's not very good. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, actually PK Subban's not very good right now, but <laughs> he has been very great. Uh, yeah. the brothers is weird. It's almost like they're different people. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. I like it. So I I have a a question for you. So, you know, playing kind of, you know, all over the country, really all over the world. um, But like how, um, as you've been out on tour, um, would you say like, as far as your band, are you really like the the, the biggest hockey fan of the band or or are there other guys that, that, you know, that love it as well? Uh, I'd say there's only one other guy in the band other than me that watches it. And that's our guitarist, Luke. And, uh, okay. uh he's a big sports fan, you know? God. So yeah, I don't know that he would necessarily even align himself with the Leafs, but he for sure watches them. Sweet. The, the reason I asked that question is just, you know, out of curiosity, as you've been, you know, out there touring, you know, whether it's you're touring in Canada, touring the States, have you ever had the opportunity to catch, you know, the Leafs play any away games? Oh, uh, you know, anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> well, All right. We so playing. I'm going to draw that story out of you. Cause it looks like you got one for me. Yeah. We were playing, <laughs> uh, in Dallas. Uh, uh, I want to say it was like three years ago. Okay. Um, and that was, we were on tour with, uh, August Burns Red and Jake and I were having a laugh, this, that, and the other thing. And like the Leafs were playing like that. The arena there is like, was a two minute walk from the house of blues where we were at. I think it was the house of blues. Maybe not. And, uh, Jake busts in their, our dressing room at one point. And he just goes, Hey man, you big Leafs guy. They're playing down the street. And I was like, I know. And he was like, I got two tickets. <laughs> and I was like, wow. Holy shit. Right. So we run, we're drinking beers, like laughing this, that, and the other thing. The Leafs were down five, one by the end of the first period. Right. Ooh. I was going, Oh, no <laughs> I was like Jake at that point didn't really know much about the Leafs and like we had Anderson and Ned at that point and he was like I thought your goalie was supposed to be pretty good I don't know how he's supposed to be <laughs> you know and then uh, we, we had to leave after the first so it's like but that was okay because it's like I want to get out of here yeah exactly right um, and then got back just in time to play our set and Inform the audience what had happened. 
but that that's awesome, man. Like, uh, you know, I, I think that's one of the things about being, um, being just a sports fan in general, you know, if you, if you get the opportunity to go all across the country, you know, if you got some days off or some time off, like you just, even if you're not going and seeing the Leafs, you know, even if you're just kind of, you know, got nothing better to do in Phoenix and you're like, Hey, let's go see a Coyotes game or, you know, something crazy like that. It's uh Oh yeah. It's, no, we've gone to see a couple games here and there. Like uh, I, I didn't go, but they went to see the Penguins one night. I went another time to see Columbus um, versus the Rangers. And it's cool, man. Like, there's nothing cooler than just like sort of going to a different arena. That's not your own home arena, especially because our own home arena, like they sell all the main seats to, they sell all the like gold seats or whatever to businesses or whatever. Yeah. And it's like the people right up front don't really care. <laughs> it's like for you know, like such a passionate sound, uh, fan base, it's like we're yeah. one of the widest arenas in the league. It's funny. That's one of the things that I, I thought, was and I was are proven terribly wrong. That's one of the things I really thought was going to happen uh, with, with Vegas. I was just like, I don't understand why they're putting a hockey franchise in Vegas. It's just going to end up being, you know, half the half the arena is going to be, you know, like people who lost big and got comp tickets, and they're going to be sitting there being like, "Where's the puck? What is this? Why is the ice white?" And like, you know, like not giving <laughs> yeah. a shit at all. And then, you know, little did I know, like, you know, watching. You know, even just on, you know, televised watching Golden Knights games, man, that franchise is like completely ravenous. And like, I, it still blows my mind. Like when these like, quote unquote, non-hockey towns just have these like insane fan bases, you know, Vegas, yeah. uh, Nashville, the Preds and stuff. Uh, and even oh, yeah. uh, even even the, the lightning. I mean, like uh, Mike, Mike and I uh, just a couple of months back went and saw uh, the Islanders uh, when they came to to play in Tampa. And man, that that arena is just like absolutely astounding i mean it's it's a beautiful area you know beautiful little community and then it's just so loud and so boisterous and bold man it's just like it, it gives you hope for hockey where like you know whereas you figure oh you know you gotta you gotta be way up there where it's you know cold and chilly all the time that's the only place they like hockey but like all of a sudden it's exploding and i love it it's so great yeah i think i, I kind of think that it's like it, would it be different if Vegas came out of the gates and fell on their face like they were supposed to, you know, like instead of going on that amazing playoff run and like coming so close to the Stanley cup, yep. like, would it be the same, you know, same goes for the lightning, like they're an amazing team. Right? Sure. Like would people care if they weren't, you know, like when you look at maybe the Panthers or Arizona, it's like teams that are, you know what, actually the Panthers, that's not really fair. They're actually pretty freaking good this year, but in, yeah, previously they have not been that good and it's like mm -hmm. nobody cares exactly. uh, arizona you know i don't i don't know if there's anything they can do to make people care about hockey in arizona <laughs> yeah man that's just like so that's so crazy and it's just like when you look at some of those like fledgling franchises and like you figure like you know what's going to happen in the next five years ten years i mean like you know everyone's talking about you know Quebec wanting, uh, you know, a franchise again. And like, Oh, Quebec wants back in, in the worst way. So like, could, you know, could the coyotes, I mean, if they keep sucking bad, is it like adios, you know? And like, and, and there the we go. Senators. Yeah. Them too. Right. right? Like, yeah. Eugene Melnick is out of his mind. And like, he's like personally sinking that, that team. And it's like, I could see him being forced to sell and selling to Quebec. It's not that far a move. Oh, it isn't <laughs> absolutely right. And then, so in that, in that vein, you know, obviously talking about, you know, them getting a franchise, but talking about, you know, obviously uh, Seattle getting their, their franchise, you know, coming up, uh, you know, th this year and 
yeah. presumably with the, the draft the way it was for the Golden Knights. Um, if you take a good look at your Leafs right now, um, who were you thinking, um, you know, the Seattle team would, would scoop from you guys? Yeah. Who do you protect? Who do you leave wide open? Yeah. Well, what was it? Like you can protect, was it? It was 10? I think that's too many. I think it was way less than that. I thought it might've only been like five in a goalie. No, I thought it was like, I thought it was like, I think it was between eight and 10. I think it was, I think it was like six forwards, two defensemen and like a goalie maybe. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like we, we have some guys that would, I think we have some guys on our team that are like third and fourth liners that would be, you know, a lot higher on other teams that don't have as many superstars. So it's like maybe a guy like, uh, what's his face? The Russian guy, Mikhailov, uh, yeah, Mikhailov, is that? You know, like the guy, he got his friggin' wrist slashed earlier in the year. I can't, Ilya Mikhailov, that's it. Yeah. Um, like someone like that, where it's like, you know, he kind of third liner that sometimes gets slotted up into the like second or first, but it's like, he's a guy that maybe we couldn't protect and would go. And that was, they would suck to see him go because he is so fast and smooth hands and all this stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I don't know, you know, it would depend on a lot of things. Who was available, what the Seattle scouts thought. I don't don't know. At at this point, all the guys that I, like, hated and wanted to go because Babcock was playing them, you know, ad nauseum, they're gone, right? So, I think think it would be really hard to watch anyone from this team go, but obviously someone would have to. Yeah, no, I mean that's that's very true, and you know, like I, it, it's been kind of a recurring question that we've kind of just out of happenstance have asked in the past couple of people we've had, you know, on the show, and it's so funny, like, you know, because you you usually get one or two responses, you usually get, you know, the the kind of pontification response where it's like, well, you know, I'm not too sure, and you know, like we'd have to see like kind of how it goes, which is you know, which which I can appreciate, and then you get these guys that like have one person that they just have so much vitriol for on their team that they're just like, <laughs> oh, like, fuck this guy, that guy, like, get him off my team. And uh, every time we talk about it, like, me and Mikey universally uh, just want to wave wave a, a nice bye-bye to, to Andrew Ladd. So, uh, oh, yeah. Oh, really? So, so, yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. He, oh, I mean, like, the, the guy is, like, creaky, you know, squiggly old man, doesn't have enough oil yeah, he, in his he, tank. And, He's been around the block, eh? Like, geez, yeah. he's on Chicago and yeah, he's an old man. I guess so. Yeah, Chicago. I just, whenever I hear his peg. name, I just go, oh yeah, you got. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. That's another one of those those uh, crazy, crazy money we gave this guy, and it's just like you know, yeah. kicking us in the rear end now, man. If you would ask me that same question last year, I could have given you a bunch of names, but all those names are now on Ottawa, so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But you know what? In the same, it's like it's interesting how you reflect on things differently. Like last year, I was watching it, going, "I hate Connor Brown, and I hate Ron Hainsey." Um, but watching it now, and it's like, man, Ron Hainsey was all right. <laughs> he wasn't that bad. You know, it's just like you focus in so much on these players, you get it in your mind, and you're like, Ron Hainsey's the slowest man on earth. He can't catch up to the puck. You know, he can't protect the puck. He can't stop it from getting in our zone and all this stuff. And it's like, you know what? When you look at his actual course and shit like that, it's like, he, he wasn't that bad. <laughs> and he, like, he looks really good on the sends, but you know what? It's not that hard to look good on the sends, I don't think. 
But those Corsi numbers are a little <laughs> skewed because I'm pretty sure Leo Komarov has great Corsi numbers. Uh, that's true. And like I, the other thing I was thinking was like his plus minus. He had one of the best plus minuses in the league, but it's like his plus minus doesn't really count a whole lot. Yeah. I, he Well, he does play a, a lot of, uh, you know, penalty kill minutes, surprisingly. That's true. So yeah. having a good plus well, minus. Babcock just like my, my real problem with those guys is Babcock wouldn't stop playing them. They were his favorite players. And it's like, especially like Connor Brown, who was just like last year, wasn't his year. He was like atrocious, unfortunately. And it was like Babcock just like played him to death. Him and Zach Hyman, like in the final game of the playoffs, like Hyman had more minutes than Matthews and Hyman was playing with, he was playing hurt (laughs) and everybody knew it. It was just like, I get it. You like the guy. He's got grit. He's got gumption. He's got all those like hit words, you know, but like he's hurt. And our star player is seeing less minutes than him, you know? So I was a little miffed at Hyman last year as well, but I think he kind of earned his wings this year by proving that the lines were suffering without him. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So Rody, we've been, we've been talking for close to an hour. It's been great to, you know, mix the two worlds and talk a little protest, the hero and a little, uh, little Maple Leafs and Islanders rivalry. That's, I guess more on our side than on your side. I, I feel like it's not a, a, a two-sided rivalry. It's a one-sided one, but, uh, yeah, it's been a, I'm sure depending on what fan you talk to, it might be different. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's been a blast and we're, we're so excited to, uh, be able to spin protest the hero again and are excited for the new release. that's coming out shortly. And, uh, I wish you all the best. Well, thank you very much guys. Thank you very much for having me and entertaining my, idiocy and nonsense and uh the sound of my neighbor's dogs barking at each other uh, yeah it's been an absolute blast guys all right yeah awesome, cheers man. cheers
Yeah, seriously, man. Um, and it's so funny that like story that I mentioned in the very beginning of like, of like just protest the hero, just not giving a fuck. And like, I, I, I've learned that very vividly. Like I remember, you know, digging them so much and like half the, the crowd from that show, just not really being into it. And he was just saying such funny shit. He was like, he was like, oh, you know, just another another 10 minutes before, you know, these fucking assholes get off the stage that you hate. Like, you just hate us totally. You fucking hate us. And it was such great stuff, man. He's a, he's a really, really funny guy. But they're a super, super duper talented band. Uh, really, really excited for the new record to see how they've, uh, you know, further evolved and, uh, and uh, you know, really looking forward to it. Now, I was really hoping that I was going to be able to talk more in depth about the 2001 Maple Leafs Islanders series. <laughs> but, you know, as happens in life, like, you know, people go through phases where sports becomes a little less relevant and like, yeah. life takes over. And, mm-hmm. you know, I probably went through a little bit of that, um, I guess, like my first or second year of college. But, mm-hmm. you know, as I started like watching more football and like college basketball and things like that, just because like my friends in college were into that. But I, that that series as an Islander fan is what really took it like my fandom to the next level because it, I was so impressionable. I was in ninth grade during that yeah, series. Of course. And I just remember everything like leading up to that series was like a picture perfect season. You know, I hate to say it, but you know, that that's the same season during like the nine 11 and yeah, of course the Islanders started off like four and oh, like they started on the road road and won all four games. Like mm-hmm. when have the Islanders ever done that? Like yeah. starting the season hot. And, and then like they come back a month after nine 11 and I went to that home opener and till this day, that is probably top five, if not like my most memorable game I've ever attended was that October 11th game. It was just something like they had the, the huge American flag and like yep. everyone was just so proud to be a New Yorker at that time. And like mm-hmm. the team was actually good. And we had some like real superstars finally on the team. And yeah. And no joke, like that set the tone for the whole season. The Islanders were killing it in the regular season, like yeah, absolutely on fire. And they go in against Toronto and it's, you know, goes to seven games. It's like a very intense series and they lost. And it, it's still like if you talk to some of the players from that team, they mm-hmm. feel like they underachieved, like they thought that they could have made it to like the Eastern Conference finals, yeah. if not the Stanley Cup finals. And sure. I honestly think it comes down to that cheap shot that Darcy Tucker put on Mike Pekka. Like he slew footed him and Pekka's knee was never the same after that. And like Mike Pekka was never the same after that. And I think that mm-hmm. that alone is what, you know, ended it for the Islanders. And I think that that was the team. Like, you know, we, we made it to the second round last year and like, we had some some good teams with Tavares, but like yeah. that 2001 team is still in my mind the best Islander team I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean they were they really did have the juice, man. They were uh, they were a hell of a team. I mean, like I'm I'm just trying to think back to like you know I was like Yashin and Pekka, and you had like I think you know Osgood and and um, 
I'm just like trying to think of that whole. I mean, that was a great. It was a great. Sean team. Bates. It really was. And Sean Bates and they, Jason Blake was on that team. And Brad Isbister. Like yep, they, yep. they really had, and uh, Adrian Acoin. They had some big names. Mm-hmm. And they really did. Yeah. They ended up losing in the first round, and it was just like holy yeah. cow. And then like the next year, they get in and they have to play Tampa Bay, and that's like when Tampa Bay was unstoppable with like St. Louis and Vinny LeCavier. Like. Yeah. So even though like it was pretty much the same team in the 2002 season, like they just had no chance against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah. Now you're absolutely right. I mean, it's, um, you know, who knows? I mean, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, the Islanders of, of now, um, you know, could have a chance to have that kind of juice again. I mean, you know, there may be, you know, a player or two away from really putting together a real, real deep contender. Um, but I, I think that that kind of, that was a big power shift, you know, in, in 01, where, you know, it, had that had not happened, you know, had the, the Leafs not beaten the Islanders and had that, you know, hit not happened. I mean, who knows how deep the Islanders could have went, you know, even if they didn't win a, win a cup that year, I mean, they may have been, you know, more inclined to, to keep that core of a team and they may have been, you know, contenders for years to come. But uh, that's the that's the crazy thing about hockey, man. These little like moments in time, you know, just like change things. And and I mean, you know, it threw the team out of balance and you know, threw them into, you know, a good stretch of years where they were just not a formidable team. So I, I definitely see where you're coming from with that for sure. You know, I think it's a crazy thing. And, you know, who knows, man, maybe, uh, you know, something will finally work in the Islanders favor once we get back to hockey and, uh, and maybe make them contenders. I'll, I'll tell you what will not work for the Islanders though, are these absolutely terrible quarantine recommendations, man. So bad. Like, like they're such good hockey players, but I want them to like not play on the Islanders because of how terrible their taste in music and movies are. Yeah. I feel like the only smart one, was Casey Sezikis, who just was like, oh, I'm a new dad. I'm just going to put all, like, dad recommendations. Like, yeah, dude. that was like, that was kind of, like, a, just a safe pick. But then you look at some of these other guys that did actually take it serious, and, yeah. ugh, like, I, I can't even begin to say how terrible, at least their music taste is, but then also, like, Tom Kunakel putting the like Jumanji remake, Jumanji <laughs> Next Level. Like that's what you're gonna recommend to people. Like a a movie that probably has a five rating on IMDb. Like, dude, and you know what the worst? Even the worst thing about it is like almost every Islander is just like favorite TV show, Tiger King. It's like, dude, fuck and fuck, man. Like, Tiger King was just like a bunch of trash. It's just like not even good. The only thing I can get behind is Andy Green says that uh, one of his favorite shows, he mentioned Tiger King as well, fucking shitty, but he also loves Curb Your Enthusiasm and McMillions. McMillions is another crazy fucking documentary about uh, how these people rigged the McDonald's um, uh, Monopoly game. So crazy, man. If you get a chance to watch that, that's crazy. But, like, you look at, like, all these, like, music recommendations. You've got, like, The Lumineers, The Weeknd, this is Arizona on Spotify. 
<laughs> what is that? What is this? I have Arizona? no idea. I have no idea what that is. It's Scott Mayfield being ridiculous. Although Scott Mayfield does say that his favorite movie is Heavyweights, which I can get behind because that is a dope movie. Yeah, and then Cal Clutterbuck coming with his favorite movie is The Count of Monte Cristo. <laughs> yeah, like what the hell? What the hell? That's like Man, it's just... a bunch of like B-rated B-rated actors put yeah. together that movie. Even though the book is fantastic, the book is so good. See, and Brock Nelson just apparently loves Harry Potter. Just watches all the Harry Potter, even though it's recommended by Baby Beckett. But we all know that Brock Nelson probably sits there and he's like, "I love Harry Potter. It's so good." <laughs> yeah, man, I just want like one cool dude on the Islanders, and I thought it would be Cal <laughs> Clutterbuck. Like, yeah, right. But his his music recommendation is the Woodstock record. Like, yeah. It's just really? like just listening to G- fucking Janis Joplin screech. I mean, like, I don't know, man. And then we, we talked about this off off uh, off mic for a hot second. But we're talking about how, how Grice said he, he's a fan of the offspring. But we're trying to figure out, like, is he like a fan of like the cool offspring songs or like the stupid offspring songs? And I definitely think it's the stupid off, offspring songs. Like Pretty I Fly for a White Guy and Hit That and like all those bad yeah. songs. Like all the terrible top 40 ones are the ones that he listens to for sure whatever i i'll tell you what though thomas Grice he, he says he loves woodworking so maybe you know you got to try to get in touch with him and see if uh you could talk about your cedar chest <laughs> thomas Grice is an awesome person like i i, Where? I do definitely <laughs> like him as a person he's a great dude i've met him many times where is he from germany Oh, does he have like a sweet German accent too? Oh, yeah. Is he like, oh yeah, is, is he like, I can't. Even, I was gonna try to do a German accent, but all I was gonna do is just the Franz Nielsen <laughs> accent that I've done for ten years. Forty years of excellence, forty years commitment, Islanders, Franz. No, Grace has a strong German accent for sure. <laughs> no, man, but uh, it's 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 this. The shit is so silly. I mean, it's a cool insight to like, you know, what they're doing. When, I know. I was so excited. Like, cause they, they like teased it and they dropped like a few at a time. Yeah. And I was like, all right, cool. Like there's gotta be one person that likes something halfway decent, but they're just, they like what everyone else likes. Everyone else yeah. is talking about Tiger King. All right. We're going to like Tiger King. Everyone else is talking about Ozark. I'm going to like Ozark. Like, uh, just give us something cool. But and then there's, and then there's like, Noah Dobson, who says like his favorite movie is Wedding Crashers. Yes. But like, let let's analyze this for a second. Like, Noah Dobson has got to be what twenty, what twenty, like nineteen or twenty. He's young. So like, when Wedding Crashers came out, like Noah Dobson couldn't have been like more than like six years old. Like Wedding Crashers came out like a long time ago. Oh yeah, like two thousand three, two thousand four. If I so like, how are you going to try to tell me that's like your favorite movie? Like. Like you discovered that movie now, like just just the other day, like you weren't watching that movie when you were four years old. Like you're definitely just like sitting around like playing hockey on a pond somewhere. Like that's what you were doing. You weren't watching fucking Owen Wilson's big nose, fucking Vince Vaughn getting hand job under the table. No way, man. I don't buy it. Yeah, he definitely just discovered it now. And that's his favorite <laughs> movie. And it is what it is. So let's. I, I don't think I could talk about this much more because I'm going to start getting getting sick to my stomach. <laughs> it's all so bad. So on that note, uh, we will we'll leave you to check out this list and make your own inferences because man, it is bad news. But uh, it was super cool uh, to chat with uh, with with Rody. 
Um, I'm sure if he would have went through this list, he would have he would have had his own opinions about how bad this was. But um, you know, we got a bunch of cool stuff coming in the next couple of weeks. A lot of cool guests and stuff. So we hope you're sticking with us. We hope you're staying safe, staying healthy. Um, you know, I know Florida. You know where I'm in is uh, starting some of the phases of opening. Uh, so we're just trying to obviously mitigate that, you know, as uh, as safely as we can. But as always, we appreciate you sticking with us and listening. Uh, www.bardownbreakdowns, where you can catch all of our episode archives. You can listen to us on, uh, you know, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you can get your podcasts. Uh, you check us out on Twitter and, uh, you know, Instagram, BDBD Podcast, Bardown Breakdown. Just follow us, like, subscribe, uh, you know, we'll be there for you. Uh, and like I said, you know, uh, keep an eye out. We got a bunch of cool content coming out in the next couple of weeks. And uh, we appreciate your your listening and you're hanging on with us. So uh, we hope you're staying safe, staying well, staying happy and healthy out there. And uh, that's all I got. All right, Tom, it's been real. I'll talk to you soon. Sure. Peace be with got you. Also with you. Goodbye, don't let me catch you
crying. Oh.